0: Hi, this is David and Barbie Cooper. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's always a privilege to share this time with you. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. And for more information and resources to help you grow in your walk with the Lord, go to malparan.com. Thank you for your generous support. It helps the ministry greatly. Today, we're gonna talk about putting forth our best effort. I'm sure you've heard the adage, E is for effort. Putting forth our best effort is one of the most important keys to success in any endeavor in life. Effort keeps us on the cutting edge, sharpens our skills, and develops our character. Effort prevents stagnation, laziness, and mediocrity as we strive to do our best for God's glory, for the benefit of our family and friends, and also for our own self-esteem. You'll feel better about yourself when you put forth your best effort. The writer of Hebrews challenges us to, quote, make every effort. This challenge is given often in the word of God. I've noticed these scriptures and I've memorized them because this little phrase speaks volumes to me personally. There are times I tell myself, make every effort, not some effort, not an occasional effort. Make every effort. For example, in Ephesians four three, Paul, the apostle, reminds us as believers make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Think how much more peaceful relationships would be if we made every effort to keep the spirit of unity, the unity of the Holy Spirit, in the bond of peace. Romans fourteen and nineteen, he says, make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. 2 Peter chapter one verse five says, make every effort to add to your faith. It talks about the importance of making every effort in spiritual growth. Now, here in the book of Hebrews, we find three important areas where we need to put forth the best effort in order to grow spiritually. First of all, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, we realize that we should make every effort in our relationships. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. He says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Now, relationships are difficult. They all are difficult at times. Some are easier than others. Family and relationships and businesses and the church. It's easy to have disagreements. It's easy to have a bad day. It's easy to say something the wrong way. But we should never make a big deal of those things. Living in unity, living in peace is what's important not getting our own way, not having somebody admit they're wrong, certainly not gossiping and telling everybody else about this problem we had with somebody. No, our effort needs to be in living in peace. Keep the peace. Be a peacemaker in every relationship. He says with everyone. And that's more difficult with some people than others, but it's so important to say, you know, I'm gonna make living in peace a high priority. I'm gonna start making every effort to be a peaceful person, to live in peace, to keep everybody peaceful at home, to keep everybody peaceful at church, to keep everybody peaceful at work. What a blessing all of us can be if we take Jesus' challenge, blessed are the peacemakers. Let's take from this study today the call of God to make peace. People hurt you, people get disappointed, forgive them, move on make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy, which is a beautiful word. It means to be special, the the special people of God. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We miss so many of the experiences of God in our lives and the presence of God when we act unholy. And he means holiness in your relationships. You know, God is loving, God is forgiving, God is graceful, God is merciful. And that's what he means here in this context. Pursue peace, reflect the holiness and love of God the way that he treats us, treat others like that. So we need to make every effort in our relationships to keep our relationships peaceful on an even keel. Let's get over the anger quickly. Let's forgive others. Let's stop making a big deal of everything. Let's overlook small mistakes in relationships. Let's overlook some of the way people say things and stop overreacting to everything and making a big deal of everybody's mistakes. No, let's make every effort to live in peace with everyone. We'll all be blessed and everybody in our lives will be blessed as well. Second of all, we're told here in the word of God to make every effort in your reactions. See to it, he says, that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Hebrews 12 and 15. I mean reactions To other people who hurt us. He says, Live up to the grace. Don't fall short of God's grace. See to it that no one falls short of God's grace. Let out the grief you feel. Let no bitter root grow up. And that's what happens when we get hurt, when we get disappointed, when we're treated unfairly. Then we feel grief. We get bitter, we get hurt, we get angry tend to be unforgiving if we hold on to it. And that's what I mean by the reactions, the way that we react to people, the way that we react to an insult, the way that we react to somebody acting inappropriately. Somebody gets mad with us, we're driving down the interstate, somebody's in a road rage, blowing the horn. You don't have to chase them down and blow the horn and flash the lights. That's what you don't want to do, react like that. Take charge of your act. Make every effort not to react, not to overreact. When you get hurt, when you get disappointed, when somebody makes you mad, don't lash out. Get in control. That's what he says. You, you, you've received grace from God. Live up to that grace. God's graceful to us. Let's be graceful toward others. And when you have the grief of bitterness, don't let that bitter root grow up. Get rid of it. You get hurt. You're angry. You're resentful. Everybody feels that way sometimes. It's a painful experience. But if we hold on to it, it gets deep-seated anger. It turns to bitterness and becomes a root, he says. It starts growing a root down in your soul. It gets deep roots in you. Now, some people have been angry so long, that anger is the distinguishing mark of their personality. It's not that they're angry about anything anymore. They're just angry. They seem to be angry about everything because they let that bitter root start growing in their soul. Don't let that happen. He says, make every effort to not let bitterness grow in you. Let out the grief. Let out your feelings. Let out your frustration. Maybe let it out in prayer. Maybe tell a friend how hurt you are. Let it out. Don't bottle it up. And forgive the people that hurt you. Overlook the injustice. Forget the people that are in road rage. Let things pass by. Forget every insult you get or every criticism. Some people try to give you a compliment. Next thing you know, they're criticizing you. We've all had that before. They need to work on their communication skills. You ever had somebody try to give you a compliment? Next thing you know, they're telling you something they don't like about you and we get hurt. That bothers us. Let that stuff go. Make every effort to let it go. Don't let that bitter root grow up. Because he says it does two things. It causes trouble and it defiles many. So bitterness, deep-seated anger, unforgiveness, resentment, regardless of if it's justifiable or not, but the very emotion of it, the mental obsession with what wrong was done to us, it causes trouble. Well, who does it trouble? It troubles us. It causes ulcers, high blood pressure, sleep disturbances. We keep replaying the scene in our mind, obsessive thoughts about what they said to us or did to us or what gossip they spread about us. If we don't let it go, it troubles us. It robs us of our peace. You see, when we don't live at peace with others, we don't live at peace with ourselves. If we're not at peace with other people, we can't be at peace with ourselves. If you sow peace, you'll reap peace in your own heart. So bitterness causes trouble in our lives. It troubles us. It disturbs us. And then it says bitterness in us defiles many. In other words, we naturally start telling everybody else, you know, what happened to us and who said this about us and what somebody did to us. The next thing you know, we kind of bring them in to the conversation and now they're mad with us. We're all getting mad together. And sometimes that anger just spreads. You know, anger can spread through a family. All kind of family members now mad. Then they get divided. Families get cut in half, half siding with this person, half siding with the other it defiles many, it kind of corrupts the atmosphere, it destroys the healthy vibe of a family. No, make every effort in your reactions not to overreact. Not, not, don't make a big deal of everything. When you get mad, when you get angry, let it go quickly. Say, Lord, take this from me. Maybe whisper a prayer, Lord, I forgive that person in Jesus' name. I, I don't have a day to waste living angry. E. Stanley Jones writes that bitterness comes to everyone. It sours some and sweetens others. He said, I shall use it to sweeten my spirit. We all get hurt at times and we face gossip and criticism. Let's make every effort in our reactions not to overreact, not to hold on to it, not to keep the anger, to get rid of it. So that it doesn't trouble us and it doesn't defile me and it doesn't spread in our relationships. And then third of all in the book of Hebrews that we learn another area where we need to make every effort. The word of God tells us to make every effort in our responsibilities. So the scripture continues here in Hebrews 12. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Hebrews 12, verse 16 and 17. Did you hear the writer of Hebrews is talking about responsibilities in our lives. He talks about the responsibility to purity. He says, avoid sexual immorality. There's that word morality right in the middle anything that's contrary to God's word about sexual life and sexual expression. And he says, avoid godlessness. Godlessness is when we take God out of our lives, out of our thoughts, and we act in ways that we know is contrary to the nature of God, whose image we are created in the nature of God. And so he says, avoid these things. Be careful that you don't fall into sexual immorality The world we're living in, in America today, we're going through so many changes in terms of the way culture views sexuality and the expression of it. And yet we are God's people. We have God's word to guide us and lead us in sexual love and the proper expression of it. And there's so many things in the world that are godless these days where God's not even mentioned. We're told, well, you can't even pray before an athletic game, as if prayer is going to hurt anything. That's just a symptom of godlessness. But we're godly people. God is the center of our lives. We have a relationship with the Lord. We love the Lord with all of our hearts, minds, soul, and strength. And we want to avoid things that begin to get us away from our love and devotion to God. That's what it means to avoid godlessness, avoid the influences of the people sometimes that pull us away from the Lord. So we have a responsibility to live a pure life in an impure world. So we govern ourselves and we guard ourselves. And then we have a responsibility to our privileges. You know, we have a lot of privileges in life. God's given us all a lot of privileges, not just spiritual privileges, but just privileges in life. And some of us are more privileged than others. We're very fortunate at times and we should use whatever privilege we have. We should be grateful for that and we should help people that are less privileged. So he tells us, about the story of Esau in the Old Testament book of Genesis. Esau and his twin brother Jacob. But Esau was born first, so he had the birthright in that family tradition of the ancient world. He was a hunter and he came in from hunting one day. His brother Jacob was a great cook and he had made this incredible lunch, this famous stew, Jacob's stew. I always think of Brunswick stew when I think of this story. And Esau was hungry. And he was governed by his drives and his appetite instead of his discipline. That was a commentary on Esau's life. It wasn't just one experience. He fell a victim to his own disciplines, to his own drives instead of being able to discipline his desire. And he just wanted, he wanted to taste that stew. He was so hungry. And Jacob said, well, I'll give you the stew if you'll give me your birthright. Esau didn't think much of his birthright. He took it for granted. He he was a privileged man, but he didn't think much of it. You know, sometimes we have privileges, but we take them for granted. That was Esau. He didn't care that much about a birthright. He didn't care that much about an inheritance. And so he said, sure, you can have the inheritance. You can have the father's blessing. I just want to eat the stew and enjoy a big meal. See, his appetites got the best of him instead of his aspirations. He was driven by his desires, his cravings, instead of his convictions, instead of discipline. And that's the kind of man he was. And he ate the meal, and he enjoyed the meal, and stuffed himself, I'm sure. The all-you-could-eat buffet that Jacob prepared. And later, he started realizing, what he had done? Now Jacob's privileged. Now Jacob has the inheritance He tried to go back and undo it. But the Bible says he could not change what he had done. Now, some people do things and they lose their privileges and position. They get mad at everybody else and feel entitled to it. But he's the one that gave up his privilege. He's the one that forfeited what he had because he was driven by his desires. He didn't make every effort to keep that which was important. And he couldn't undo what he had done. He did it. He gave it away. He forfeited it. He took it for granted. And it's a reminder to us to make every effort to guard the things that are important, the privileges that we have in life. And Esau is an example to us to think about the long-range results of our decisions and to avoid doing irreparable damage to our lives. Esau was careless. He failed to make every effort. He gave up something very important to him. This is a great challenge of life. It's a great principle for life. And there's so many applications to it in so many areas of our lives, our relationships, our reactions to injustice and hurt, our responsibilities and privileges. What a motivational message. What a key to success. Make every effort. That's how we experience God's best in our lives. Join me for prayer. Lord, thank you for the word of God today for this amazing encouragement and guidance from the book of Hebrews. What a challenge to us to make every effort to put forth our best effort in everything we do for your honor and for your glory in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending time with me today in the word of God. I pray that the dig deep study of the book of Hebrews is bringing the same kind of enrichment to your life that I'm experiencing just in preparing the teachings and the Lord showing me new things. Let me encourage you to subscribe today, to the Mount Perrin YouTube channel, and also to the Pastor David Cooper channel. Hit subscribe and also share the media ministry with others. Invite as many people as you can to join us every week for Dig Deep. What's it's on demand? You can get it anytime through the podcast and the Mount Perrin app to hear the Word of God, to grow in grace and knowledge. And now each one of these teachings that speak to you, always think of somebody that would benefit from 15 minutes that would change their life. Thank you for your generous support of the Mount Pear Ministries, your financial support, your your support and prayer of the missions work that we do, the, the help that we're doing to communities here in Atlanta, keeping our church strong and our witness vibrant as we tell the world about Jesus Christ and his saving grace. I want you to know that I'm praying for you. I'm looking forward to seeing all of you this Sunday for worship on campus. If not, online, invite somebody to go to church with you. We're going to have a great day Sunday. I'll see you then. God bless you. Have a great day. I trust the message has been an encouragement to you today. Remember to follow us on social media and connect with us at MountPerrin.com. I'll see you right here next week for a fresh message from God's Word.